the 24th message uh, on average. And so if you multiply that, so by the end of this message, the 65th message of the year, I'm going to be at a word count of 1,608,750. That's a lot of words, isn't it? And I hope surely in those 1,608,750 words that, that I've been able to say something through the Lord's help that's been profitable to you. I hope so. And, uh, and again, as I said, as I was thinking back, what, what were the most important things? What, can, what, was, what was God saying to us as a church? What was he emphasizing uh, to us uh, over, the, over the past year? Now I realize for each individual that can be different. You know, that, something that, that, that may have been a, a very important and timely and meaningful word to someone one Sunday might not have, might not have been that exactly timely for another person that day. I realize that we're all in different situations. We're at different stages of our spiritual growth. And so that can be different from person to person. And, um, you know, even this past Sunday, uh, I said something at the end of the message, almost as an afterthought. It greatly touched one individual that came and talked to me afterward. And, uh, and it really began the process of removing a major roadblock in their life and in their spiritual growth. And it, it might have been something that didn't, didn't really register for you. But, it, but for that person, which I was grateful to find out, you know, even if I just said it for that one person, you know, that was, that was uh, uh, you know, important and, 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 and meaningful. Um, I remember years ago, uh, some of you would, would remember Joseph and Janine Hamley, who served here for many years in our children's ministry, a wonderful couple, I I know one uh, one Sunday uh, I forget what I don't remember what time of the year it was but they were they were getting ready to go on vacation or they were planning a vacation and uh, and and Joseph swears that in that message that day I said God has a bungalow for you that's what he heard anyway he heard that and he went and searched and found wherever they were going on vacation found the perfect bungalow for them to have their vacation in. So you never know how God can speak through you to answer somebody's question or to give them direction. So, so you know, I, I know I didn't say God has a bungalow for you, but the Holy Spirit used whatever I said that day for Joseph to hear God has a bungalow for you. All right. But then on the other hand, generally speaking, uh, there are things that are applicable to all of us. And, um, and so what are the five most important things that the Lord has said? And, you know, when I had that thought, I thought, oh, this will be easy. I'll just go through and pick. But uh, when you try to sort through 1,608,750 words and find the five most important ones, you talk about a needle in a, uh, five needles in a haystack? That's what I was looking for. So it, was, it, really was a, it really was a challenge, you know. And I thought, well, Lord, if you've given, you've given me this sermon idea, five the five most important things, aren't you going to tell me what they are? And uh, a lot of times, though, the Lord will give me a title or a subject, and then he'll just tell me where to dig at. He won't give me the gold. He'll say, it's over there. Go dig for it. Amen. So I, so I had, and, and that, that's applicable to all of us in, 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 in different ways. Amen. Um, and so I had to go do some digging. Amen. And uh, so here we go. Here's what I came up with. And, and you may have, this might not make your list, but uh, 
of the five most important things that he said to you, but hopefully it's things that will uh, that were applicable to all of us that I want to remind us of today. And this is, uh, this is number one, number one, and they're not in any order of importance. Number one, Jesus can turn your hopeless situation around. Jesus can turn your hopeless situation around. That was the title of a message that I preached on, uh, but way back on Sunday, February the 20th. And, uh, in Luke chapter 8 and in Mark chapter 5, we have the accounts of Jesus healing and delivering three separate individuals that were in seemingly hopeless situations. There was a demon-possessed man who was possessed with the legion of demons, and he was, you know, bound in chains, and he would break the chains, and he would cut himself, and he would cry out, and he lived in the tombs. I mean, this man, this man was a hopeless case, a lost cause. And then we find the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had been suffering for 12 years with that issue of blood. She was no better, but she was getting worse. And, uh, and she had spent all of her money on the doctors. Her case was seemingly hopeless, wasn't it? And then we find uh, the, the last case in that, in that passage. And, and, it's, and it's very possible that Jesus delivered all three of these people on the same day. The last one was, uh, was uh, Jairus' daughter... Uh, Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue, and he came to Jesus because his daughter was lying at the point of death. And uh, these, these true accounts in Scripture tell us that Jesus can turn hopeless situations around. Amen? Amen. And if he did it for those people, then he can still do it today. Amen? Amen. He's the same yeah. yesterday, today, and forever. So the Bible says in, in, in Luke 8, 30, 8, 27, we don't have that for the screen, but it says that this man that was demon-possessed. He had demons for a long time. The woman with the issue of blood, as I mentioned, she had suffered for 12 years and she had seen no improvement. She was only getting worse. And again, she had spent all of her money on the doctors. So, so these people had been this way for a long time. And that, that even that reinforced the hopelessness of their situation. Not only, not only were they bound, not only were they they, they su- were they suffering, but they'd been that way for a long time. You know, when something's going on for a long time, you kind of lose hope. It's like, it'll never change, right? And I'm just, I'm just going to have to live with this. It'll never change. But in one moment, in one day, when they encountered Jesus, everything changed. Hallelujah. Jesus came along to the, to the country of the Gadarenes and he, and he encountered that demon-possessed man and he called the demons out of him and the man was delivered and set free and the man that was going around naked and, and, and cutting himself and, 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 and tormented, the Bible says he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Amen. Hallelujah. In one instant, Jesus did that because Jesus can turn hopeless situations around. The woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. She had been suffering and she heard about Jesus and she said, she began to say, if I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And then she said, what am I doing sitting here at the house? I'm going to go to where he is. I'm going to act on my faith. And she did. She didn't maybe say those words. She might not have even understood that exactly uh, to be able to articulate it. But she, but she said she had heard that, that, that power was coming out of him, that people were, that would even touch his clothes were being healed. And she said, you know, I believe it can happen to me. I believe if I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. So she made her way through the crowd and she came and touched the hem of his garment. The Bible says that virtue 
flowed out of Jesus and into her and she was made whole. And Jesus turned to her and he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Well, if her faith can make her well, then your faith can make you well. You don't understand, Pastor. I've been dealing with this for a long time. Yeah, so had she. She had been dealing with it for 12 years. But, but when she touched Jesus in faith, she was healed. She was delivered. He can turn hopeless situations around. Hallelujah. Jesus was actually on his way to Jairus' house. Jairus had come to Jesus and said, Lord, my daughter is lying at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. He was in faith. And Jesus said, I'll come. And so he's on his way to Jairus' house when the woman with the issue of blood interrupts and comes in. And so, and so right at that moment when Jesus is telling the woman with the issue of blood, daughter, your faith has made you well. At that very moment, messengers come from Jairus' house and they say, don't bother, don't tell the teacher to come. You know, your daughter has died. It's too late. Well, thank God with our Jesus, it's not too late. It's never too late. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible says here in, in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 50, but when Jesus heard it, when he heard that report, it's too late. He answered him. He answered Jairus. I believe he, I believe he took him by the collar and he said, look at me. Look me in the eyes. Then he said, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm convinced that if you get a bad report, if you get bad news, if you're believing God and it looks like the situation has gone from bad to worse, that you can do the same thing that Jesus said to tell Jairus, told Jairus to do. I believe that Jesus is saying the same thing to you today, to us today. Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Whatever your situation is, it will be turned around. Amen. He can turn hopeless situations around. Amen. He is the same. Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still, that means he's still turning hopeless situations around. So don't, don't be discouraged. If your situation seems hopeless, stand in faith. Believe God, He still turns hopeless situations around. Thank God. Thank God. Amen. All He needs, all He needs is your faith to work with. That's when He, when he, when he told Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe. Really, in essence, He was saying, I only need one thing from you, Jairus. I only need one thing from you, and that's your faith. I need you to keep believing. Amen. That's all He needs from us is our faith. He needs us to keep believing. Amen. Praise God. Amen. In, uh, in September, uh, I was led to teach a series. It ended up being four parts, I think, uh, on righteousness. Anybody remember that? And uh, so Jeff said that was the most meaningful. He made one of those encouraging comments on Facebook, and he mentioned that that was... Uh, and I already, had that in, I already had that in my notes, so yeah. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I shared with you at the time that although we've woven the subject of righteousness into messages in the past, I was really shocked to go back and see that I really had not done any extensive teaching or a series on righteousness in really in several years. 
And, um, and so it was, it was necessary, it was needful, and I believe probably, in my mind, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that I shared with you in 2020 that the Lord emphasized to us is this subject of righteousness. And let's look at the scripture, and then we'll give you the, what the second statement is. Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And we define those terms for you in that teaching. The word just there means those who are declared righteous by God. That's who the just are. All right. The just, those who are righteous, shall live by faith. All right. And so he says here in the, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The gospel reveals this wonderful truth and reality of the righteousness of God, which is this, it is, that here's, and here's statement number two, if you're writing these down, we are made righteous, we are declared righteous by God, by believing the gospel, by believing what Jesus did for us that we could not do for ourselves in his death, burial, and resurrection. We'll read that again if you're writing it down so you can get it all. We are made righteous. We are declared righteous by God by believing the gospel, by believing what Jesus did for us that we could not do for ourselves in his death, burial, and resurrection. See, apart from Jesus, apart from Christ, no one is righteous. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there there is none righteous, not one. And we've all sinned. Uh, Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified or declared righteous in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, no one can be justified or declared righteous by God by keeping the law. No matter how hard you try, you're going to fall short. No one can be made righteous by keeping the law. But thank God, God had a plan. And that plan is revealed in the very next verse, verse, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It, it's in there. If you study the Old Testament, you see this truth, this reality that we're made righteous by our faith, by believing in, in what God has done for us that we could not do for ourselves. It's woven all through the Old Testament. It's witnessed by the law and the prophets, he says. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. This righteousness is available to all and it comes upon all who believe. He says, for there is no difference. What what does he mean by that? There is no difference. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Everybody, Everybody has to go through Christ and everybody has to believe on him. Amen. Verse 23, there is no difference. Verse 23, now for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jew and Gentile alike. All of us have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. So no one can, no, no one can, can keep the law and be made righteous that way because no one can fully keep the law. All right? And so uh, verse 24 says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. All of us are sinned. All of us have sinned. The Jew who had the law sinned, and the Gentile who did not have the law, we sinned too, right? And the remedy for both is the same. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, all are justified, how? Freely, freely by His grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In in Romans 3.25, in God's Word, it says, God showed that Christ is the throne of mercy, where God's approval is given through faith in Christ's blood. Another way to say righteousness or being made righteous is God's approval. God's approval is God declaring you righteous. Amen? And we have that approval through faith in Christ's blood. In His patience, God waited to deal with sins committed in the past. He waited so that He could display His approval at the present time. This shows that He is a God of justice, a God who approves of people who believe in Jesus. So what do you have to do to get God to approve of you? Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Righteousness means having God's approval, and that approval is given to us when we put our faith in Christ's blood. Look back at verse 25 for a second. God showed that Christ is the throne of mercy where God's approval is given. How? Through faith in Christ's blood. So when we put our faith in the blood of Jesus, and when we believe that the blood He shed was sufficient to cleanse us of our sin, God, says, God stamps us with His stamp of approval. That's better than the good housekeeping seal of approval. Anybody remember that? That's even better than the good housekeeping. I don't, do they still do that? Does, do products still have the good housekeeping seal of approval? Okay. Is it worth, uh, for whatever it's worth. This is even better than the good housekeeping seal of approval. It's God's approval that's stamped upon our hearts, stamped upon our consciousness. And when God looks at us through the blood of Christ, He sees approved. Amen. Hallelujah. He sees righteous. Glory to God. Amen. Bottom line is this in Romans 3.28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified, a woman, a person, is justified, declared righteous by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Amen. And because we are righteous, this is kind of a a, a 2A, uh, because we are righteous, we're now positioned to reign in life. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The what, the what of righteousness? The gift of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. It's not anything we can earn. Amen? It's a gift freely given. All we have to do, all our part is, is to believe. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. When we receive that gift of righteousness, 
which means right standing with God, made right in God's sight, then we can begin to reign in life. And God wants each of us to reign. In, he doesn't want life reigning over us. He doesn't want devils and demons reigning over us. He wants us reigning in life. Amen? Praise God. And see, when we understand that we're righteous, then we can begin to exercise the authority that's ours in Christ. Amen. A person that doesn't understand or accept or believe that they're righteous will have trouble exercising their authority in Christ. They have it. It's been given to them. But if you're not conscious of your righteousness, then you will have great difficulty exercising your authority over the devil over Satan. Now, when we say reign in life, we're not talking about reigning over one another. We're talking about reigning over circumstances, reigning over the devil, reigning over disease and all the works of the devil. Right. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We've, we've been positioned to reign in life yes. by this gift of righteousness that we've been given. Amen. 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 Praise God. Uh, point number three or statement number three, the most important statements that that, that, uh, or, uh, that we've made over the past year is this. Restoration of your life, your relationships, and your goods begins with the restoration of your soul. Restoration of your life, your relationships, and your goods begins with the restoration of your soul. This statement came from a two-part message from the in the month of March that I shared with you called as your soul prospers. You know it says in first in, or in 3 John 2 I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so we can add that as well restoration of your life, your relationships, your goods and your health begins with the restoration of your soul. Your physical health is not just a physical issue. Doctors can only, can only well, you know, a lot, a lot of, in the past years, of course, they've learned that the more so of the emotional side of things as well, they begin to deal with it from that aspect. But God's got the answer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so in any of the, in our, relation, our restoration in our life, our relationships, our goods, our health, begins with the restoration of our soul. If you want restoration in those areas, start working on your soul. Amen. Amen. Now say, what is that? Well, our soul, to define it, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Our mind, will, and emotions makes up our soul. The Bible tells us our soul has to be renewed. It has to be restored. It has to be saved. All right? So if we're going to prosper, if we're going to be in health, then we're going to have to pay attention to our soul. Amen? And, uh, and make sure that our soul is prospering. See, because we're a three-part being, we are, we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. All right? Our spirit is born again and made a new creation in Christ. Our body will be resurrected and glorified on, uh, when the Lord returns. Amen? All right? So, so your spirit and your body are taken care of. Your spirit's made new when you're saved, when you call on Jesus and you're saved. Your body's going to be glorified one day when Jesus comes back. What about that middle part? What about the soul? Well, our soul is not made new when we get saved. We still have the same soul. 
And we're not promised a miraculous, instantaneous transformation of the soul like we are the body. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to renew that. We have to restore that soul. And depending upon the mental and emotional trauma that you may have, uh, have endured, the soul restoration may be quite extensive. But the good news is, is that the restoration and renewing is promised to us. Amen. If we'll participate in the process, it's a process. Amen. Psalm 23 and verse 3 gives us that promise. It says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. I like what Mark Rutland says in his, in his book, 21 Seconds to Change Your World, which is all about the restoring of the soul, all about praying the Lord's Prayer and, and praying the 23rd Psalm. He, he says, he, he, David doesn't just say that God can restore souls. It doesn't just say he, 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 he will. It says he does it. He restores my soul. Amen. And the restoring of the soul involves renewing our mind with the Word of God. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world. Romans 12 too. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Amen. And so we, we, we get our minds, our, our thinking renewed with the Word of God so that we're no longer conformed to the world's way of thinking. So we're no longer thinking negative. We're no longer thinking destructive thought patterns, but we're thinking in line with the Word of God and we're thinking in line with the good and righteous plans that God has for us. Amen? And so that's, that's the process. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why we have to keep the Word of God going into our minds every day because it's, 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 it's that process of renewing our mind. And our mind is part of our soul. It's that process of restoring our soul. And, and, uh, and, and everything that God does, it, has to, it, go, it comes from our spirit, but it's got to go through our soul to get to the rest of us. Amen. So the soul's got to get, get, get restored, get renewed, get saved. Amen. And, and this also involves forgiveness. Again, Mark Rutland in, in, the, in the book, 21 Seconds to Change Your World, he, he writes this. He says, wholeness in my life is possible only to the extent that I experience God's forgiving love, both as a recipient and a grantor. Amen. So we have to receive God's love. We have to know that we're forgiven of our past sins and failures. And we, and we have to allow the blood of Jesus to wash away all the shame, all the guilt, all the condemnation. And then, knowing that we are forgiven, then we can turn and freely forgive, and we, and we must freely forgive those who have sinned against us. That's why Jesus told us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. We receive His forgiveness and we grant forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's for, and it's for our own well-being that we do that. Amen. Amen. All right. There's a lot we can say on that. Uh, fourth statement. I thought this was an important... Uh, I did a series on Wednesday nights on this subject and then felt impressed to share it again on Sundays. I, went, I condensed it. It was a four-part series on Wednesday evenings we, just, we turned it into a two-part series on Sundays. And, and here's the statement. Our Christian life began 
in the Spirit, and we are to continue to live in the Spirit. The Christian life is designed by God to be lived in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. That, I believe that's one of the important things that, that, that the Lord emphasized to us uh, over in this past year of 2022. Living, learning to live in the Spirit. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, Galatians 3 verse 2 says, Paul's writing to the Galatians and he says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What's the answer? The hearing of faith. They, see, they were Gentiles. Paul had come, preached the gospel to them. And then afterward, uh, these, these uh, 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 Jewish, they were believers in Jesus, but they were Jewish and they were holding to the law. They came to the Galatians and said, you're not really saved unless you get circumcised and unless you follow the law of Moses, the Old Testament ceremonial law, then you're really saved. And so they said, oh, okay. They didn't know any better. We'll try to start doing that. And Paul said, no, 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 no. You don't need all of that. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, had their Christian life begin? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Spirit. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And were they? No. No, they were just getting confused. And they were actually moving away from what God intended them to walk in. And you know, we can do the same thing. We we're, we were we this our Christian life our walk with God our relationship with Jesus began in the Spirit and we're to continue to live in the Spirit, Amen. Amen. Praise God. In verse five, he says, "Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law?" Or by the hearing of faith. They'd, they'd seen God work. He'd, he had saved them, filled them with the Holy Spirit. He was working miracles among them before these guys came along and said, now you've got to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. They were already walking in that. He said, wait a minute. He said, God's been supplying the Spirit to you. He's been working miracles among you. How did he do it? By you keeping the law or by you hearing the gospel and believing it? By the hearing of faith. Amen. So God supplies the Spirit to us, and we're to live out of that supply. We're to live out of that supply of the Spirit. And how does He supply it to us? What's the supply chain? Been hearing a lot about the supply chain. Uh, the supply chain that delivers the Spirit to us is the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. Amen. So we cannot separate living in the Spirit from walking by faith. Amen. In, verse, uh, in Galatians 5.25 in the New Living, he says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Amen. 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 We started this thing out in the Spirit. We're to continue to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. God wants us as New Covenant believers to be living in the Spirit. What does that, what does that mean? Well, I've got six things here. This is, this, is, this is number four, but there's six things with number four. All right? Or if you're making notes again. Number one is this. We're born of the Spirit. We started out in the Spirit. Jesus in John 3 says that we're, when, we're, when we're born again, we're born of the Spirit. 
Amen. And then number two, we're to be filled with the Spirit, right? We're born of the, of the Spirit and we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then number three, we can and we should pray in the Spirit. Oh, and this is a, this is a big one. This is one that I want to talk about for just a moment here. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 14, Paul says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. What is he talking about there? Praying with the spirit, he's talking about praying in other tongues. And praying with the understanding, he's talking about praying in your known language. We're to pray both ways. You're to pray intelligently, out of your mind, amen, uh, the, out of your own understanding. But you're also to pray, we're also to pray in the Spirit, in other tongues. Brother Hagin likens it to, you know, it's like a bicycle, trying to ride a bicycle with, just, with one wheel missing. If you're only doing one kind of praying. How many of you know that that's not going to go very far, right? We need both kinds, amen. Praying with our understanding in our own language, amen, but also praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, all right? And uh, he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So when I'm praying in tongues, it's my spirit praying. Well, I'm living this Christian life out of my spirit, amen. So I need to exercise my spirit. This is one way I do it, by praying in other tongues. He says, I'm going to pray with the Spirit and pray with the understanding. I'm going to sing with the Spirit. And I will also sing with the understanding. Amen. Again, I remember when the Keatons were here, not this year, but last year, uh, they, made, they, they mentioned to me, I don't know if they said it publicly, I think they may have in, in teaching, but they talked about uh, Mom and Dad Goodwin, the Goodwins that were dear friends of Brother Hagin. He would go and preach in their church. They pastored in Pasadena, Texas and other places in East Texas and and. Um, and they, he said they were, they were some of the most spiritual people that he ever knew. And he enjoyed great fellowship with them. And God used them greatly in the gifts of the Spirit, particularly tongues and interpretation. They would minister together that way. And um, they, 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 the Keatons talked about a gentleman that they knew that knew the good ones. The good ones had passed on. They would be over 100 years old today had they were still living. But they'd passed, they passed on several years ago. But uh, this gentleman knew them before they passed. And he asked them one time, uh, uh, he said, what is, the, what is the secret, what's the key to your spiritual walk and to you being so used by God and the gifts of the Spirit? And said, Mom Goodwin, without hesitation, she said, oh, that's easy. Pray in tongues an hour a day. Pray in tongues an hour a day. And uh, so that, I took that as some motivation. I thought, yeah, I, know, I knew to do that. I knew to pray in tongues. I thought, I'm going to get back to doing that. I'm going to get back to praying more in other tongues. And so I've been doing that. And, uh, and just the other, uh, this is kind of a, uh, incidentally, kind of a side thought, but I've been wanting to share it with somebody. I can't find a better group of people to share it with, so I'll share it with you. Is that all right? Not last night, but Saturday before, uh, I was, uh, I was in here, probably you should come over here on Saturday evening and, and, and pray. And, uh, I was in here last Saturday evening, not, again, not last night, but a week ago. And, uh, uh, the, Cleaning people were here, so I usually pray out here in the sanctuary, but they were cleaning, so I just prayed in my office, and I'm there praying for an hour uh, in other tongues, just praying about the service and just, just praying just to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And as I'm praying in tongues, I prayed out 
these words, surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I did not see a vision of Gomer Pyle. Well, I thought about it later. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't see it when I prayed that out. But as I'm praying, and sometimes I'll do that. And, and, and if you pray, if you, if you exercise that, uh, that gift and pray in tongues... Uh, regularly, then you'll, you'll pray out phrases. You'll find yourself praying out phrases in English and your understanding. And I'm praying in tongues and I pray, surprise, surprise, surprise. And I went back to praying in tongues. I didn't, I, I probably prayed out some more things in English that I don't remember, but boy, that stood out to me. And, and the days, as the days went on that last week, I kept thinking about, hmm, surprise, surprise. And that stirred such a hope in me and such an expectation in me. I believe I'm going to experience three surprises. Say, Pastor, what are they? Well, if I knew, they wouldn't be a surprise, would they? Right? Well, I believe you. I'll, I'll, keep, you, I'll keep you posted. I'll notify you. Amen. But I'm expecting surprise, surprise, good surprises too. You know, there can be bad surprises. This was all good. This all, when I prayed it out, it was all hopeful. It was all good. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Things like that will happen to you when you pray in the Spirit. We're talking about living in the Spirit. Amen? Glory to God. God wants us to live that way. And then number four, we're called to worship in the Spirit. John 4, 23, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well in Samaria said, The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And so Jesus is ta- the hour that Jesus was talking about there is the hour after his resurrection, the time after his resurrection, when he said the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The woman in Samaria there had asked him, should we worship here in Jerusalem or here in Samaria? You Jews say that, that, that Jerusalem's the place you ought to worship. Jesus is basically saying neither one because God is bringing something new in, this new covenant. And through what I'm going to do, people can know God and worship Him, not by going to Jerusalem and by offering a sacrifice and doing all these outward things, but their spirits are going to be made alive to God and connected directly with God. And you can worship God spirit to spirit. Hallelujah. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 talks about that type of worship. Paul writes and says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be what? Filled with this. Here's God's pattern. We're to be be born of the Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. Because here's what Spirit-filled people do in the next verse. He says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's New Testament worship. That's worshiping in spirit and in truth. Amen? Hallelujah. And we get to do that. We get to do that, Barbara. Amen. Hallelujah. We're to be led. Number five, we're to be led by the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Romans eight fourteen. Um, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Most Christians, sadly, 
We're led by our reasoning, by our feelings, and by our circumstances. But when we tap into this life in the Spirit, we learn that we can be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not making our decisions and choices by our feelings or by our reasoning or by our circumstances, but where the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us. Amen. Hallelujah. We're to be led by the Spirit. And we're called, number six, we're called to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then in verse 22, he talks about what that is. Uh, Read, you can come on back up if you're you're available. Available? All right, praise God. Um, Verse, you never know with with this baby, you know, so. All right. Verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. See, people wonder, sometimes get all strange ideas about what it means to, uh, to walk in the Spirit. Walk, oh, pastor, walking in the Spirit means that I'm floating about four inches off the ground. You know, and uh, no, it doesn't. No, it's very practical. Amen. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh And he says, the fruit or the result of walking in the Spirit is what? Love. Love. So if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be walking in love. The next fruit is joy. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to have joy. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be walking in peace. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be walking in long-suffering or being patient with people. Help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to get out on that road today. And Lord, I thank you for long suffering. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such, there's no law. Walking in, that's what, this is what walking in the Spirit is. It's walking in these nine, what we call fruit of the Spirit. Really, really, it's the result of. Walking in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. This, is how God, this is how God designed the Christian life to be lived. Amen. Life in the Spirit. Amen. Let's live in the Spirit. Let's remember that. Amen. Hallelujah. And then finally, the, the, the last one of the five. I know I've gone through a bunch in that one particular one, but, but this is now the last statement, okay? Strength for your life comes from out of your mouth. Strength for your life comes from out of your mouth. In other words, the power of, and, of, of singing praise. Strength for your life comes from out of your mouth. If you want strength in your life, then it's going to come. Where it's going to come from is out of your own mouth. Now, you know, weakness can come into your life out of your own mouth too. If you're, if you're speaking negatively... If you're speaking words of, of, of defeat and failure, uh, that, if that comes out of your mouth, you're going to be defeated. Uh, but strength for your life can come out of your mouth. Amen. Psalm 8, verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained what? Strength. It's so easy, even a baby can do it. This truth, this reality is so simple, even a baby can do it. Even out of the mouths of babies 
and nursing infants, God has ordained strength. Well, just because you don't, just because you grow up doesn't mean you lose this capacity that out of your mouth strength can come into your life. Amen? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. The strength that comes out of our mouth, the praise that comes out of our mouth, brings strength into our life and also silences the devil. The best way to silence... Does anybody, the devil ever talk to anybody in here? No, no, about three of you. The rest of you graduated beyond that. The devil, devil comes to you and he brings thoughts of defeat and despair and discouragement and hopelessness and, yeah, you're goofed up and, you know, you're going to fail and, and you're, you know, you're going to stay sick and all this. He's, he, he, the best way to silence him is not put your hands over your ears and say, oh, don't say that. It's to start praising God because that shuts him up and that runs him off faster than anything you can do. Amen. In the New Testament, in Matthew 21, Jesus quotes this, this scripture in Psalms this way. But when the chief priests and scribes, this is, this is uh, on what we call Palm Sunday when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Now, is Jesus misquoting that? No, Jesus as the son of God, he didn't misquote the verse. But it has, that, it has that meaning. In the Psalms, it says, you've ordained strength. Jesus says, you've perfected praise. Those children had heard their mamas and daddies as Jesus was making his triumphal entry on the donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. They'd heard their mamas and daddies praising Jesus and saying, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah. And, they get, and they followed the parade on into the temple. And those children were running around in the temple. And they were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah. And the religious people got upset about that. Jesus said, no, they're right. Because out of the mouth of babes, out of the mouth of these children, God has perfected praise and God has ordained strength. So when you and I lift our voices in a song and praise God, it brings spiritual strength. It brings courage and encouragement. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. Sometimes you don't have anybody around you to encourage you. Well, just start singing. Just start praising. And it will bring a strength into your life. Oh, God wants us to remember that. And He wants us to do that and apply that and act on that. I believe that's one of the most important things that He said to us in 2022. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, there might have been other messages that, that you were thinking of that didn't make the top five list today. And you're like, oh man, I thought He was going to say this. 
Yeah. But this seemed like the ones that, that again, I, 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 I dug around as best I could, and these were the five that I came up with. But the important thing is this. The most important thing is that we continually feed on the Word of God. Amen. Amen. We all have our favorite meals, right? But what's the most important thing? I mean, is it, is it really that, that, that steak or is it the nourishment that comes from it? It's really the nourishment that comes from it. We all have our favorite words. We all have our favorite messages maybe. But what's important is to continually feed on the Word of God and to continually be... What, what if you only ate, you know, if your favorite meal was being served? I've just decided that every one of them is my favorite now. So. But if, if you only, you know, if you had a, 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 your, your favorite meal, and you, well, I'm not going to eat unless it's my favorite meal, you'd, you, you'd get weak real fast, wouldn't you? The important thing is to daily, you know, physically speaking, daily take in nourishment. The important thing, spiritually speaking, same, same thing, same principle, spiritually speaking, is to daily take in nourishment by reading the Word of God, feeding on the Word of God daily, and by coming to church and being fed the Word of God on a, on a regular basis. If you were here for, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe besides, and they had to go on business meetings uh, three or four times a year, but I don't know, they probably were here 61 of the 65 times that I, that I spoke. And uh, they were here probably the one or two times where I wasn't here as well. Um, and, and, and some of the rest of you, uh, faithful like that. But if you're faithful and consistent and feeding on the Word, you're going to be nourished and you're going to be strong. Amen? And you're going to be walking in victory. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Remember, prayer school on Tuesday at 10. Full gospel luncheon on Tuesday. Go and vote on Tuesday if you haven't done that yet. Have an awesome day. You're dismissed. Our food pantry will be open in a few minutes.